And welcome to Second Chances and welcome to the Ascend Television Network. My name is Greg Hennis and this is our weekly program where we are so blessed and honored each and every week to bring on people from all walks of life, all with very unique situations, things they've been through, things the Lord has taken them through and delivered them from. But no matter where they're located geographically or what their story is, they all have that common bond. And that common bond is that Jesus is the Lord of their life because they made that decision to live for the Lord. And we have a guest with us today. Her name is Carrie Gintz. She is the author of the book entitled Jericho Unmasked. And Carrie, thank you so much for coming on Second Chances with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. It's my honor. So we always like to begin our programs, Carrie, by learning a little bit about our guest, about where they were born and where they're from. Then we'll kind of kind of dive into your book a little bit from there. So go ahead and start us off a little bit. So I was born and raised in Southern California, and I was uh, transported, which I'm sure we'll get into, into Northeast Ohio in 2008. Uh, I very avid outdoors person, love everything outdoors and vacations that don't require a lot of luggage. And uh, my favorite sport is golf, and I work hard to try to reduce my handicap. And um, I love Jesus. The book we're going to talk about today is entitled Jericho Unmasked, all about your life Mm -hmm. and things you've been through and how the Lord has really kind of set you free. So... Let me start off by this. You start off by saying, to live in regret is failure to embrace the present. Mm -hmm. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, I feel very strongly that um, in the Christian life that the race we're to run is looking straight ahead, not side to side and not back. And if I really believe in Psalm 139 that God ordered my days planned my destiny before I was even born, then I have to embrace his sovereignty and the sovereignty in my daily life. So even though my book covers some very harsh things, it also covers redemption. So for me to go back to the past really takes the life and breath out of the future and to live in regret, to live in unforgiveness just creates a dynamic that just doesn't let you move forward. Mm. So that's why I just I just don't live in regret. I live in the now and I say thank you Jesus for everything because I'm sitting with you I'm sitting here with you today as a uh healed woman who struggled with um a treacherous sin for years. Mm. You know the book we 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 mentioned the title Jericho Unmasked but we did not mention the subtitle and this is interesting. <laughs> An Entrapped Lesbian's Journey to Freedom. So, as a lesbian, when you were living that lifestyle, Mm -hmm. the word entrapped, is that how you felt? You felt entrapped into that lifestyle like you were there and you couldn't get out? I would describe it as this. Um, The reason I titled the book Jericho Unmasked is because there was a woman in Jericho named Rahab. Yes. She knew the God of Israel and she feared the God of Israel. In fact, I think that she probably knew the stories better than some of the children of Israel. But she was trapped in a life, and there was no way out of Jericho, and there was no way in. There was a wall. And for me, 
I firmly believe that, uh, you know, a lot of people discuss born gay, not born gay. And for me, it's a very mute point because we're all born fallen and we're all born sinful and dark. And the enemy capitalizes on those chinks in our flesh and structures, environments and everything else. But no matter what, it does not give us license to live the way we want. And for me, I really felt that the sin I was entrapped in, that God had not taken it to the cross. And that although he loved me, I felt he was powerless over it. But I knew too much of the word, as my story would tell, to have any kind of peace, having become a believer at five and a half, having any kind of peace. In fact, it was a bit of a a storm in my life to try to reconcile the belief I had in the seed of Christ with the sin I was living in. But I felt trapped because I felt this was all that would make me happy. And even when the sin would turn on me, because all of Satan's promises do not deliver, um, I still felt trapped until God, until God was the one who tore down the walls of my Jericho. So you knew the truth because you mentioned here just a moment ago, you said at five and a half, you made the decision to give your life to Christ. Mm -hmm. So you knew the truth. You decided to, to live that lifestyle. Uh, and I imagine that created a tremendous, as you just kind of sh- shed light on a little bit, a tremendous conflict for you inside. Am I right about that? Very much so. In fact, um, I would say that the even the term that's used, uh, gay Christian, uh, you know, when we're in Christ, and when that, and that seed of Christ came into me at five and a half, and unfortunately it got covered with massive amounts of debris, But the seed is an incorruptible seed. And I tell people it took a long time for some of the greenery to show. But the way I describe it is, is that when you're in Christ, um, God is God is after you. And even in kindness, he leads to repentance. But that kindness is not a fluffy kindness. That's a kindness that encompasses discipline. And so the sin that we're involved in turns on us and cuts us like knives, and that is God's mercy. But yes, even the term gay Christian, I could never rectify or resolve because somewhere inside, I knew that a dual identity could not coexist. And even my own mother never said her daughter was gay. She said, my daughter struggles, but she belongs to Jesus. And one day Jesus will overcome because you cannot hold the the pride symbol, which is what um, what which is what gay and lesbians hold up, against the cross of Christ, which is the greatest symbol of humility. Those two cannot coexist. So yes, it created it created a tenor in my being that was unresolvable until one day Christ, by His mercy, freed me. There's a line that you use in the book. Um, here's the sentence, actually. The truth of God's word kept my conscience active and heightened even when I would make a deadly choice for darkness. So I guess looking at that sentence, you're always thinking about, well, this is not what the word says. Well, because of the, so I was, like I said, I was raised in a Christian home. I went through um, unfortunate 
childhood abuse by a surrogate grandfather and really chased my identity in people, places, and things. And as a result of that, I was prime and ready to get into a very extreme cult at 17. And it was a Bible-believing group. Um, it was called the local church, not meaning the local church down the street, but that's what it was called. And it was uh, under the um, teachings of uh, Watchman Nee, who is a very godly man, and his teachings are wonderful. But when it came to this country, man got a hold of it. And it was very extreme, and I was in church six days a week, and the word was being um, forced upon me. But I tell people there are far worse things than being force-fed the word of God. And a lot of my changes were very outward behavioral changes so that I would be the perfect soldier in this, quote-unquote, God's army. And I burned all my possessions. But the word never returns void. And I knew the word. I knew God's design for man and women. I knew that marriage was God's design. Terms like gay and homosexual and, and lesbian weren't even terms, really, when I was in my teens. I just knew that over, I just knew over the course of time that I had an attraction. And ironically, in this group, a lot of the marriages were arranged, and I picked someone. Uh, I wasn't going to have an arranged, and I picked someone who also struggled with uh, his sexuality. He had been more physically involved prior to our marriage than I had, but, you know, claimed that he had abandoned it. And so we got married, and then we just threw the baby out with the bathwater because we were so confined having been in this group. And it took a few years to actually get out because of the fear element of associated with leaving. And so here we are, two very broken people thrown together in this marriage, trying to just figure out our way. Mm. And um, we went the other extreme, but God would call me back. And finally, in my early 30s, we kind of settled down, decided to have um, a child, which I was very much against because I had lost so much freedom in my youth. But as God would design, that, that child would be a saving grace. And then two years into the marriage, um, he said that he needed to be true to himself. And he went and, um, and married a man. And this threw me into my headlong struggle that had been emotional up to this point. And I did everything I could. I went to self-help groups. I went to therapy. And not saying the groups aren't good, but God just, I just guess I wasn't ready in my own will. And one day, I literally and figuratively shook my, my fist at God and said, I'm going to do it my way. You don't know what makes me happy. You don't know how I lay in my bed and desire a female relationship. And I made a choice. And I tell people, circumstances happen, but circumstances are not excuses for horrible choices. And I made a definitive and defined moment choice to walk into my first gay bar. And... Um, that was a that was that was the brick and mortar that further shored up the walls of Jericho that had already started, mm. and now it just firmed it up around me. 
And from that day forward, uh, there was, there were moments where it was like a kid in a candy store. It was like chocolate on the brain. And I thought this is wonderful. And within six months, um, the relationship would not be what it was expected because there's almost there was almost this implied promise between two women. You're going to fill in all the gaps where I feel I'm lacking. And um, but I also believe that that was also God's design because he uh, he made my lovers turn on me like knives, and it mm. cost me everything psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I would pray, I would pray a prayer in desperation, not even realizing that it was a pro that it was probably the groaning of the Holy spirit. God, will you do for me what I cannot do for myself? Because I was so desperate and so depleted, but I had no way out. So you said on this lifestyle, um, and you said at that time you had had a, a child. Is that correct? I did. And it, um, <laughs> how did that work? Well, we had, um, actually the Lord gave me the gift of forgiveness with him very early on. I really prayed for it. And so there was no bitterness and our divorce was, even though we had many assets, our divorce was, um, a very gracious one. And we are still friends to this day, although going in very different directions. And he's still married to the same man. Uh, and we had shared custody of our child. But, you know, when sin comes in, at least when it came into my life, it starts to shatter everything and the locusts start to tear. And I was um, anything less than a good mother. In fact, I would go venture to say I was rather deplorable. Mm. And she became second and maybe even third. And it created disaster, disastrous consequences on her life to the point that she actually uh, said she didn't want to live with me, any, me, me anymore on a shared basis. She would rather go live with her father where it was more stable. And um, that was heartbreaking, but I was out of control. And I didn't know what to do. And I thought, well, at least she doesn't have to be with me because I knew that I was a bad mom. And God has restored those years since, but it was... Um, it was a bad situation. It wasn't even just a not good situation. It was a bad situation. That must have been very traumatic on your child, obviously, to, you know, on one hand, mom is living a lesbian lifestyle. On the other hand, you know, she goes to see her dad and he's in a, a gay lifestyle. That must have been confusing to her, I would imagine. I think it's still, I mean, she's 27 years old and I think that I think that was confusing, but I think what's even harder now is now she has a mom walking with the Lord and a dad who is walking the other direction. And I think that split is also very difficult. Mm -hmm. But um, I believe that I have chosen the door of life and my seed will live. And she, I led her to Christ. I did lead her to Christ at a young Amen. age. Amen. And that seed is in her, and I have to trust. And, and like I said, what God has done in our relationship since my own experience of being healed, which we'll get to, uh, is nothing short of miraculous. 
We are visiting right now with Carrie Gintz. The book is entitled Jericho Unmasked, An Entrapped Lesbian's Journey to Freedom. Carrie, we're going to get back to this interview in just a second, but if someone is interested in learning more about you, picking up a copy of the book, is there a site that they could visit? Yes. So my website is www.carriegintz, that's C-A-R-I-G. I-N-T like Tom, Z like Zebra, dot com. And my book is also available on uh, Amazon. If you just look up Jericho Unmasked, you will find it there as well. Okay. So, obviously, as you were into this lifestyle, there, there obviously, as you mentioned, you would have these really difficult relationships. They, the, the women would turn on you in different things. How long were you active in this lifestyle? Uh, pretty close to, um, pretty close to 20 years. Wow. Yeah. That wow is right. And I had, I had three long-term partners and then, um, much to my chagrin, a lot of partners in between, but as God would have it, because God is so merciful, um, in, um, 2008, he moved me to uh, Ohio, literally lifted me out of Los Angeles for a, uh, a a new job. I had no desire to come to Ohio. I thought that was going to be the worst thing. Were you they, living that lifestyle still at this point when you moved? Were you still living the yes, lifestyle? Okay. Yes. So I moved with a partner. And I actually at one point thought, well, maybe the move will make it better because our relationship was not good. Uh, my daughter stayed in uh, California in her senior year, which was really hard for her. And um, I landed in an evangelical church, which is so ironic. Wow! And I I believe the reason God is God is just so in the details. I showed up at this church because I really wanted to go to a, a church, and I wanted my partner to become a Christian. So we showed up at this church, and I didn't realize it until my father died five years ago, but the pastor was the spitting image of him. Mm. And I never had conversations with my father. My father also struggled with same-sex attraction, which made it very difficult on the marriage, and I never had conversations with him because he had dissociative disorder, because he had been extremely abused as a child. Never Mm. laid a hand on me, but... So here was a man who was like my father speaking truth. And I went there and I got a mentor and um, I thought, you know, this is great. I have friends. I joined a country club. Life was great. And then in September of 09, he gives a message that homosexuality is um, in the equation of sexual, sexually deviant behavior and against God's will. And you would have thought that I would have gotten very mad. But you see, my mother had been praying for 25, 30 years. She had gathered marchers around Jericho. And the people in the church who were who received us as a couple never said anything derogatory, also started gathering around in silence through the walls of Jericho. And the mentor, this woman I had who was about 70, who just prayed for me and met with me for coffee. We never even opened the word, asked me if I would go see the pastor. 
And I went and saw him and he said, I'd love to be your friend. You can't join the church. And I was like, well, that's okay. And I shared my story and I said, do you believe I'm a Christian? And he said, I just believe you're not living God's best for you. So I said, okay, we can agree to disagree. And I walked out of that office and I scoped my walls of Jericho and thought, yes, everything is intact. I survived. And the next two months, my world went black. Because you see, God up to this point had been present and I could talk to him and I could hear his voice and I knew he was there and I wasn't really reading his word. But then he just put down the shades because he knew how much and I, how much I hated rejection. And all of a sudden, he's not talking. My language is awful. And I literally looked in the mirror and said, I hate you, Carrie, because I could see myself aging. I could see death coming over my being. And I just laid in bed and went, I, I'm the, I don't even know what I'm going to do. And November 23rd, 2009, I can't even tell you what prompted me to go in my office at home, but I sat on the couch and I said, God, I just need you to talk to me. I will listen to what you have to say, but please don't not talk to me. And I picked up my dusty Bible and I did what you're never supposed to do. And that's point and hope. And um, I landed on Luke 3. And it said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and I've come to make the crooked path straight. Mm. And I want to clarify what he was meaning. I want to set you on a straight path because it didn't mean that he was going to make me heterosexual, but he was going to set me on a path of holiness in Christ. I am telling you, a bomb went off. I didn't know what happened to me from one minute to the next, but it's like God just said this thread of fallen DNA has just coursed through your being and become you. But I have been sewing alongside of it since you were five and a half and you don't need it anymore because God will never, ever just sweep a house clean. And I tell people never pray for a person just not to be gay. Pray that Jesus consumes their life because if you sweep that house clean, Seven more come in and take over. And I was frightened of that. But what God did was he said, you don't need this anymore because I am coming in to the deepest part of your being. And this prayer that you have prayed, I am answering. Mm. I'm telling you, from one minute to the next, I knew that I was completely, utterly and constitutionally altered. And I got a, I went to bed. I got up the next morning. I was supposed to pack for a trip with my partner. She was gone for the day. And I just walked around and went, I don't know how to live in this world. I don't know what's happened to me. And that night, I looked at her and I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't be with you. I can't be with women. I, God talked to me. And she looked at me and she said, you mean you're putting God before me? And I said, I do believe I am. And I got mm. in my car in the snow and flip-flops, and I drove to the church because I knew my mentor would be there at choir practice because I was frightened to death. And I walked in, and she was standing there, and I dropped up to my knees, and I said, Mary Jane, I'm changed. I'm changed. And I tell people that was 
powerful. And the Lord surrounded me with accountable Christians. And and I was able just to say, thus saith my friends, because they were so strong in the word. And if the story had just ended with being, you know, healed in that way, it would not have been complete because identity in Christ is the imperative. So one day God stripped away some people that were very important to me and said, I need you to be intimate with me. Mm. I need to be everything. And I was angry. And I tell people that I heard something one time that the, that the greatest hindrance to the next great work of God in your life is the last great work. And I was experiencing that in spades. Mm. But finally, I just dropped on my face and I said, Lord, I will follow you. And I started getting into his word every day, not for my pill for the day, but to experience the very breath of God and to be transformed by him and to recognize that he and he alone is the only one that defines Carrie. And when people Mm. ask me, well, what are you now? I say, I am Carrie Gantz, a child of the king. Amen. Great book, Carrie. Uh, the book is entitled Jericho Unmasked, An Entrapped Lesbian's Journey to Freedom. And Carrie, we are just about out of time, but the most important thing that we do on this program is at the very end, we ask our guests to lead our viewers in a word of prayer. Now, obviously, some people may be drawn to this program mm-hmm. that maybe are where you were at at one time. Mm-hmm. And they just need somebody to love on them and care for them like your mentor did for you. Mm-hmm. So would you lead us in a word of prayer as we uh, kind of say goodbye? We'd love it. Well, Father God, first and foremost, I pray that um, this interview will reach the many. And even if it reaches just the one, Father, it is completely worth it. Father God, I pray for parents first who have children that are struggling. I pray that you would give them the strength and the stamina to hold out their hands and let their children sit at the foot of the cross and not make them an idol, that this would not become the center of their life or the center of their existence. But I pray first and foremost, Father, that you would cause them to stand in the truth of your word and not deviate, even though this is just this this um, sorrow has consumed them. And I would ask that you would just cause them to trust you deeply. And for the one out there, Father, that is struggling, I pray that you would speak to them, that their name is on the cross, that you did take this to the cross, that you are not just all love, but you are all power, and that when love and power collide in a person's life, change and transformation is possible. So I pray for you out there, if you're struggling, pray the prayer I did, God, will you do for me? what I cannot do for myself. I thank you, Jesus, that truth prevails. I pray that the Christian church at large would never, ever deviate from the standard that has been set in the Bible and the unchangeable God. Amen. Our guest today on Second Chances has been Carrie Gintz. The book, once again, Jericho Unmasked. An Entrapped Lesbian's Journey to Freedom, and carry one more time a website they can visit and places they can obtain a copy of the book? So Amazon.com, you can look up the book there and get it. And I also have a website, 
www.carigintz.com. So www.carigintz.com. And I do respond to emails. I try to respond within 24 hours, and there will be a link on my website where you can email me, and I will personally pray for you. Well, I'll tell you, a great interview today, great book, and uh, certainly very encouraging to people that have been down that road, a great opportunity to learn from somebody that has, has been through much. So thank you for sharing today. Thank Our you. guest today on Second Chances, Carrie Gins. Tune in for more Second Chances right here on the Ascend Television Network.